Welcome back to episode 41 of the Hockey House podcast presented by Selly Hockey Co., where we cover all the latest news in non-NCAA college hockey here in the U.S. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined once again by Stephen Glick, Colin Fitzgerald, and our executive producer, David Herman. Fitz, let's check in on you first. Uh, We didn't really get to talk to you much last week. What have you been up to? A lot. I don't even know where to start. I was thinking last night of where I was going to start. I was going to start from the beginning, I guess. I told you guys I was supposed to be in uh, main camp for SPHL. They said that I can't come down if I'm not vaccinated. For personal reasons, I just can't get vaccinated. So I was like, well, I'll see what the Fed has for me because I still had a PTO with the Binghamton team here. I find out that it's it's happening on a Sunday. The next day, I hop in my car and drive to Erie, Pennsylvania. And then I wake up early on Sunday and get to Binghamton's main camp just this, this past Sunday. I skated for the first time today. The rink is sick. It used to be an AHL team here. But East Coast, man, I don't know how you guys do it. I'm I'm having trouble with the roads. It rains all the time. Just rains all day. Every gas station I see is a Sunoco. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. I've like never seen one of those in Illinois. So it's it's been an experience so far. And we got our, our first exhibition game this Thursday. So that's what's been up with me. Click, how about you? What have you been up to? First of all, I will not be taking this East Coast slash Pennsylvania slander. But um, this past weekend, pretty disappointing game on Friday. But Saturday, we had the day off because uh, Penn State Burks, unfortunately, for this past year, was supposed to play them. So we kind of took advantage. We had a little Olympics team bonding event, and now we're just kind of getting prepared for this weekend for this weekend's games. How about you, Herm? What have you been up to? Well, I mean, I wish I could say I saw some hockey this weekend. Uh, unfortunately, wound up a little bit disappointed as Murph and I worked for a while to try and plan out the possibility of me going to the NYU versus Syracuse game. I was really, really looking forward to photographing at Chelsea Piers because even though it's not really a great rank for players. The low ceiling makes for great lighting. Those two teams usually go back and forth with each other. And instead, I got an email from the athletic department telling me I wasn't allowed to be there at the game as I boarded the train with my heavy-ass photo bag, wound up watching the game via live stream. What I did see was a couple of cops around the board. So you want to tell us a little bit more about that, Murph? So yeah, like I said, the morning of the game, you know, I, I tried my best to see if we could get Herm into the game and very strict rules. It wasn't the rinks rules. It was an NYU policy for all their athletic teams that they weren't allowing fans. We joke all the time here at Syracuse that we didn't play during the COVID year. Uh, we're getting our COVID year this year. Like it's almost like traveling back in time. Like it, I felt like I was going into the bubble. Uh, you know, you got to show your vaccine card at the door to get into the rink and then mask everywhere when you get there. And then kind of like the pros, you, you can take the mask off when you get on the ice, which is something we haven't been able to do at Syracuse since the pandemic started. So that that was one plus of the weekend, not having to wear masks when we went out on the ice. But we got a guy on the team from Staten Island and his his dad is a very passionate supporter of the team. He walked into the rink during the youth hockey practice before the game. And so, of course, he was allowed in to do that. He was out there for warmups in the stands. And then as soon as the game started, they must have called uh, NYPD and said, hey, there's a guy here at the rink and he's not leaving. He's not supposed to be here. Two or three police officers turned into eight, nine, ten police officers to get him out of the arena. And not to go into too much detail, but I believe the exact word that were uh, you're gonna have to carry me out of here and so he went onto the floor of the lobby at Chelsea Piers and made the police officers carry him out and I guess it was all in good fun that the police officers understood that he was just a passionate hockey parent and, and wasn't trying to cause any harm but he wasn't allowed to be there at the end of the day you didn't notice it at first but when the rink is empty and all you see are the healthy scratches and 10 police
police officers, you know something's up. So it, it was pretty bizarre to look at. And th- that happened in the first period of, of Friday night's game. So overall, you know, not the performance we wanted this weekend. I know we had Doug on last week, was hoping that with all that talk about rebirth, that our jerseys would arrive in time to debut them against NYU. They did not. Some problems with FedEx still in, in the shipping. So we're, we're hoping uh, that they're going to be in by Halloween now. So uh, we're just going to keep rocking the home whites for now. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea Pierce, that is a that is a tough place to play with fans or no fans. It, it's absolutely bizarre. You can almost touch the ceiling there. And it's all stuff I've talked about on the podcast before. But the community locker room is a wild one. Our rookies were shocked when they walked in the room. Like they were telling me afterwards, they're like, all that stuff you guys talked about. Like I thought I was prepared and expecting everything. Thing, and then you just get there and it's like no there's actually like an old guy getting dressed in the locker room drinking a Budweiser out of a bottle while we're like throwing clear tape on our shin guards getting ready for warm-ups so that's how my weekend went do I have to say Chelsea Pierce is probably the best place to be a backup goalie because you ever get tired of watching the game you can just turn around and get a nice view of the Hudson NYU didn't have a goal horn one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen so every time they scored they would just hit the buzzer on the scoreboard bizarre but you can actually hear the boat horns of the cruise ships leaving Chelsea Pierce years like they go off like every 15 minutes so i mean it's an experience i, I know our, our our first year head coach was not too pleased with with his how it went his first time around as the the head coach for syracuse but um you know we're on the road again next weekend taking on delaware so we're, we're pretty excited for that murph i'm looking forward to some more uh tiktok vlogs on game days those are sick my teammate from staten island Vinny barone he's my roommate he lives on the floor with me he's pretty new to tiktok and he's trying to get like a following going this is like tiktok 101 with murph like i sit him down i'm like here's how you make a tiktok here's how you save a sound and so he's kind of inspired me to pick up my tiktok game which it's benefited me i jumped up to five thousand followers the other day i hit that benchmark not a big deal but yeah i mean it's tough getting swept and and, and i had fun posting those tiktok but now all those little like those U16s who are at Chelsea Piers and Sauce play are commenting like hashtag swept on all my posts. So, I mean, that's a tough look, but all in all, people seem to be enjoying them. Uh, I went on a nice walk with our starting goalie, Cal Stewart. He's a diehard New York Giants fan. Uh, we could see MetLife Stadium from the hotel. So on Saturday morning, we, we walked around MetLife Stadium for a bit. So fun experience going to New York City. But like I said, not the result we wanted this weekend. Can we also talk about Glick's Instagram post? Click rare Instagram post from you. I was on Team Italy for the event and we were trying to decide like what outfits we're going to wear because like we're not going to be boring. We're not just going to wear like a green shirt, red shorts. We're going to try and get something, you know, a little more country related. So we thought about like, you know, being mobsters. So we all, you know, hopped on a subway, went down to Center City, went to Primark, Marshalls, TJ Maxx. And we tried to find like matching tracksuits. So there I was, I was in the clearance aisle at TJ Maxx and I saw these, a red tracksuit. I took it out. I'm like, wow, this is pretty nice. And then I saw there's about like four or five of these. I'm like, boys, you guys got to get over here. We got to get these. You know, I got home, put on the outfit. And I'm like, you know what would make this even better? If I dumped half a can of hairspray into my hair and just combed it back. And I thought I looked really good. A rare time I actually looked somewhat photogenic. You know, it's a very nice photo. And we're all just like, after we took the photo, we we're looking at it. We're like, wait, let's make it black and white. And someone did that. And I'm like, that's great. So I had posted up, you know, I'll just wait another six months until my next post though. All in all, I got to give a shout out to Nolan Sauer though, because not only did I see your Instagram post, but I also saw his post of it. And it was like the TikTok sound was like, when worlds collide, 
because I played high school hockey growing up against Nolan and to see his Temple hockey post. I, I forget what team he was on. Uh, I want to say it was either USA or Canada. I can't remember. It was funny. I saw his post and your post back to back on my Instagram feed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was Team USA. That's always a great team to have. That's why I was freshman year. But I'm just hoping to get Team Russia my senior year just so I could kind of bring out my my heritage out. Love that. Like I said, pretty exciting week for Cuse. We're going to Delaware this week. That's a nice place to play. They got a good rank and good facilities there. I actually just got done talking to Selly Hockey. We're going to be the first ACHA team to work out some merchandise with them. So we're pretty excited about that. It's pretty easy. You just go on to sellyhockeycode.com and we went under the tab team orders, got an answer right away, and we got working on some custom snapback for the guys. We got a, a blue one with an orange brim and a white one with an orange brim. Pretty sweet. We've kind of modeled it after the Hawaii hockey hat that I wear pretty much every day. And so those will be coming in just in time for Thanksgiving when the boys go home so they can rep Q's hockey everywhere they go. So we're, we're, we're pretty excited about that. If there's anyone listening and they want more information on how to do that, feel free to reach out because like I said, I went through the process with them and it was, it was really easy. So be sure to check those out. Herm, we had a, a big post this week, social media power rankings. That's a project you've been working on for a long time. I worked on it last week, getting all those graphics made. What was the overall reception? The reception was super, super positive. I was really, really happy that all of the social media managers, photographers, videographers, content creators finally had some sort of power rankings that they could call their own where they could be able to flaunt their own work. We got a DM and I'm blanking on what her name is, where she was like, like, thank you so, so much for featuring my team up there. And I was like, well, what we set out to do with this project was not just feature like the top five men's D1 teams. We wanted to feature all of the divisions across men's hockey and women's hockey as well. And it was cool to see something like that be be really fair and equitable for a lot of the smaller teams to get their fair shake of things. Kind of pivoting in game news, we had a couple of big sweeps this week, didn't we, Murph? There was a handful of them, and I think the biggest one we saw was Stony Brook heading to Adrian, Michigan and taking four points from the defending national champions. I think a lot of people, I mean, Stony Brook came in, what, Herm, correct me, 14, and Adrian was number one. And uh, the Stony Brook Seawolves, I mean, they they really handed it to us here in Syracuse. So I, I wasn't very surprised by the results, but good on them. I know they split at home with Davenport, so maybe... Maybe a lot of people didn't have them coming out of Adrian with with two wins, but they are a good team, a very skilled team. They have a great rookie goalie. I wouldn't let the Seawolves get hot, and hopefully they ride this one out. Stony Brook is a team to watch out for. I know with Liberty out of our conference, they're certainly the top dog right now. I like seeing Eschel teams go out and, and win against those top teams. So I know I, I just mentioned them, but former Eschel team Liberty, they're independent now, so they, they can play all, all the big names they want to, and they went to Minot State and... Uh, uh, Minot State handed to him two nights in a row. The Beavers took two wins. I know Liberty is doing a huge road trip out there. I think they're playing Jamestown as we speak right now. Good on the Beavers. Handed it to the Liberty Flames. Looked like a, a pretty good environment we had there at Mason Arena for some uh, Friday night, Saturday night college hockey action. We'll, we'll pause with the uh, the game action for a little bit. I think the best photo of the weekend comes out of Colorado State in Fort Collins, Colorado. I'll, I'll let Herm speak on this one, but I think the best way that somebody described it was the Brokeback Mountain photo shoot. Yeah, that was really cool of the Colorado State guys to get out there and do like a full cowboy theme photo shoot for their Western theme night. If you look on the Colorado State Instagram page, you actually can see one of the photos that we wound up not using because the editing just wasn't right for it with our aesthetic. They actually had like an 
a real horse uh, that they took some photos with. So good on them for that. That's awesome. When we, my freshman year, when we went out to, we went to Boulder and then we played two games and played a game in Fort Collins. All I wanted was to get a cowboy hat while I was there. I just wanted a cowboy hat as like a souvenir so I could be like, I got this real cowboy hat from Colorado. And uh, we went to downtown Boulder and we, we just, I guess the the place, we uh, the Luke Caddo was my D partner and his brother played for Boulder. And so he kind of showed us around Boulder and he was going to take us to the, this like Western rodeo shop and it had gone out of business. And that's the place we were going to go to with the cowboy hats. So one thing I don't have in my closet that I wish I did is a, uh, a cowboy hat from Colorado. So fun seeing them uh, play around with the photo shoot. It's got me thinking, cause like I said, these Q jerseys are coming in any day and we got to have some sort of photo shoot to, to get our name out there. Cause these jerseys are going to be sick and uh, we want everyone to post them. You should all get some simply orange bottles and just kind of have a little photo shoot with them in the New jerseys. I think that's a great idea. This is the third time I've mentioned the U 16 in my comments on TikTok, but somebody commented like bring back the orange juice bottle or something like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, like the orange juice bottle has a cult following on social media. That's awesome. So I mean, maybe someday we'll come out with like a merch line of, of the orange juice bottle just as kind of a way to remember that that crazy week. But more ACHA action. I know we highlighted them last week, but Weber State is rolling out West. They had that highlight real goal against Boise State. They just knocked off undefeated BYU. So they are definitely a a team to watch out for another team out west with a good weekend uh we saw gcu beat ranked arizona what was the thing did somebody say watch out for arizona this weekend and then they got swept by gcu yeah an anonymous arizona player uh, dm'd us as a response to our number three ranking post he started off with saying don't be shocked to see u of a in the top 10 within the next few weeks and i said unlv is going to be a big test and he replied with will only help us in the rankings after we sweep them and i said you saying that as a statement with the eyes emoji and he said guess we'll just have have to wait and see so to be determined how they fare against unlv after some uh, unfortunate losses to the sun devils and the lopes another notable matchup you mary traveled to lynchburg virginia to take on the liberty d2 team in a three-game series at la Haye. the liberty flames took games one and two and then you mary bounced back in the third game with a decisive 6-1 win before heading back Big wins for for the Liberty D2 team. I know that's a team to watch. They almost make it to nationals every year. Nice test for you, Mary, early on. I know kind of they had a scare on opening night against Minnesota. So that's some good competition to them. It's not often that you Mary loses in D2 action. So you like to see the Flames, maybe one of the rare times we, people are cheering for the Flames against a team like you Mary. We got a solid interview coming up. I know we've, we've talked a lot about Texas college hockey lately. Um, and we're going to keep it up with this interview. From the boys at Texas A&M, we had Jacob Norwood and Jake Circus join us this week. They were awesome. I uh, love talking to those guys. And we'll cut to that interview now. We're pleased to be joined by two members of Texas A&M's hockey program, Jacob Norwood and Jake Circus. Guys, welcome to the Hockey House. Glad to be here. Excited to be on. Thanks for having us, fellas. Circus, you're like a, a last-minute call-up to the show. I don't know if we've ever had a guy get called into the show so late. You're the e-bug tonight, I guess. Yeah, it's crazy. I literally woke up from a nap 15 minutes ago. My roommate came in my room crying that he had homework to do. So here I am. I had to get ready to go on uh, Spit Chicklets somewhere. So This is your, your test run for Chicklets. We're really close with Mike Grinnell, so like he'll listen to this. Make sure you're a good candidate down the road. You know, just got to make sure I have a good debut for Biz and the boys. We'll turn 
turn it over to Norwood. How, how are you guys doing so far? What's the season looking like for you guys? And, and what have you been up to lately? It's been good so far. I mean, you know, trials and tribulations coming back from, from COVID, of course. You know, half the team's brand new. Working through those red bumps. Good first start to the season. 4-0 on our first weekend. And then just a tough series against our, our most recent ETBU weekend. We're having them back this weekend, so we're excited to bring them in. ETB is, is coming back at your place for the home opener? We had them uh, in Shreveport three weeks ago. Had three weeks off. Got to watch some SEC football. Bama upset by Texas A&M. And so now we're getting back to it this weekend at home. And uh, we're hoping for for a good crowd. It's our, our first game in two years with a full crowd. So hoping to bring in a lot of people. Before we get to the hockey talk, let's go back to SEC football talk real quickly. Did you guys storm the field? I did not. I worked for the athletics department, so I was working a camera. I was videoing the whole thing. I, I definitely would have if I was down there. I wish I was. I got down there too late. I was uh, all the way up on the third deck and everyone else was rushing for the field goal. I just wanted to make sure I got to see it. By the time I got down there, like, the whole field was just crowded. It's a mess of people. That's awesome. Glad you guys could be a part of that. And- and Norwood will get into kind of your role with the athletic department a little further down the road in the interview here. But let's just kind of go back to the beginning here. Let's start with you, Jacob. Kind of how did you end up at Texas A&M and how did you end up playing hockey at A&M? Were you, were you planning on playing hockey before you went there? So I, I had kind of a weird relationship with hockey. I, I like many players in the league. I played my entire life growing up, got to be about 15 years old. I was like, ah, hockey may not be the move. And then just going into like looking to go play juniors or something. And then my senior year of high school, I was applying to schools, applied pretty much everywhere in Texas. The only place I did not get into was Texas A&M. And so I went to a community college, uh, Bling College down in College Station. It's right down the road. And there's a NA3 team here, the College Station Spirit at the time, now the Texas Roadrunners. And they were uh, a little rough when I played there. We went 2-45 and 45 the season that I played there, but it was a great way to stay in shape. Played one year there and then transferred in. And uh, I pretty much had my sights set on A&M from, from my senior year of high school. It took me a second to get there. So And then Circus, what about you how did you end up at AM? and uh, a little bit of a different path i was just like nord and pretty much everyone else uh, played the game growing up played some double a hockey didn't really know what i wanted to do knew i was going to college somewhere and it's great university they've always had a pretty good hockey program so i thought it'd be a pretty good fit also our conference does a really good job they have a youth tournament like a high school tournament before the season up in dallas where it's kind of like a recruitment deal and all the teams get to go out there kind of explain what their programs and universities are all about for the high school school kids. So that's kind of how I learned about our program. Norwood, once you get to A&M and you're finally playing hockey, what's the welcome to the ACHA moment for you? Definitely first weekend. We had a four game series against TCU and SMU. To this date, I jumped in. I, I was doing the marketing for the team. And to this date, our most viral host was when we beat UNT 26 to nothing. That was probably our my welcome to the ACHA moment. I was like, wow, this is Definitely going to be an interesting year, but obviously, you know, it's just kind of, it was an interesting game for sure. My parents were rooting for the other team about halfway through. So, Circus, what, what about for you? Did your welcome to the ACHA moment come during one of your first starts? I'd actually probably have a couple. I was lucky enough to have a shutout at my first game against TCU, but probably the bigger welcome to the ACHA moment. I didn't even play this game. I'm not even sure if I was dressed. Our first Texas game at home, we sold out our building. There had to have been like 1,100 people there. Like, it's just a crazy atmosphere. Like, I've never had that at one of my own games before and it's just something like I always remember and hopefully we can continue to have that this year yeah it's something we tell all the rookies about you know you, you never forget your first Texas game because growing up playing youth you know you, you got your family in the stands but here it's like you know you got a bunch of rowdy college students and it's just a whole different thing so it's crazy I played one road 
road game uh, against Texas in Austin. They didn't have as many fans as we did. I mean, it was still a crazy atmosphere. Like to get to the locker rooms, like you have to walk through a tunnel or not even a tunnel, but just like a very skinny hallway. Like the fans are on each side. And every time we'd walk to the locker room, they'd just be pouring beer and throwing shit at us. It's just unreal, especially when we can beat them in their own barn. I know you guys talk about the rivalry and the atmosphere with Texas, but what is a typical game day look like for you guys at home? I'd say so we show up probably about hour and 45, two hours before, go outside, warm up. And I'd say against uh, Texas, for sure, you know, we we start warm ups around seven o'clock. You know, you got a little bit of fans there and then you go back in the locker room. We're one of the teams we do a nice cut after our, our warm ups. And so you go back in the locker room and then especially during our spring games, we have the uh, the Texas A&M yell leaders there. And so you're sitting in the locker room and, and you start to hear it from the locker room, which is really cool. You know, you hear the fans outside, you hear them getting rowdy and then go out there and immediately. Immediately, they start with, you know, the the school song and all that stuff. And it, it's a crazy atmosphere. It's something that I did not expect my first game. I knew it was going to be crazy. I'd been to a few myself, but it's something you can't describe watching, you know, as a recruit or something. It's something that's just a crazy atmosphere to be a player in that and to start the game and to go out there for your first shift. So it's definitely a really cool experience. So, Cirque, what about you? Uh, I only played one home game. Normally, I'm left bench. So for me, I just get there. Hopefully, they let me wear my ball cap on the bench and look good for the crowd. It's kind of how it goes for me. So you guys both grew up playing hockey in Texas. Tell us what it's like playing hockey down there and kind of how much the game is growing. For me personally, I mean, it's it's a unique atmosphere. You know, anytime we'd go anywhere, people were like, oh, this team's from Texas, you know. And you definitely could see in some of our generations, hockey in Texas has gotten so much better in the past, you know, like 10 years. You know, you start out and there's some pretty pretty bad players around you. But then once you get up into double AA, A, triple A, you know, you've got some pretty pretty solid players. I mean, I played against uh, Ryan O'Reilly, plays for the Arizona State Sun Devils right now, NCAA team. He's one of the better young guys on the team. And so you're starting to see it now. Texas is just starting to produce some, some pretty solid players. So it, it's definitely fun. And now in College Station, I mean, we got people every day being like, oh, I didn't know we have a hockey team. But then, you know, we still pack the stands for, for most of our games. So definitely cool. Yeah, it helps that the stars don't suck anymore, too. It's gotten a lot more kids into the game. It, it just keeps growing here. You guys had uh, the Baylor president on, and he said that uh, the stars were helping them get a rink down there. I think that's just incredible. They have seven or eight rinks in the DFW area already. And just to expand to Waco is just going to grow the game here even more. Speaking of the stars, Cirque, I see that in your profile picture, sure you're wearing the the toque over the helmet did you guys get an opportunity to play at the cotton bowl yeah we did that was a crazy experience unfortunately that was the only time we wound up losing to texas but i don't even think that matters really Uh, that's something like that not many people will ever get to experience playing on any nhl ring at all but especially the cotton bowl like i can't imagine they'll ever do that again that's just a crazy memory definitely was a super cool experience i mean that's a top number one place that you know you ever play hockey in your career especially for being a, an Ocha player so <laughs> as a new england kid and a bruins fan i've seen so many winter classics from the bees and like fenway at gillette they played at notre dame but that was one of my favorite winter classics that i got to watch like it was so cool seeing like half the crowd in green half the crowd in yellow everybody's on their feet the entire game like it's an sec football game so i remember seeing the pictures from you guys playing in that and i was like wow that must have been amazing for those guys. Dallas is a really underrated hockey market. Like there are a lot of passionate fans here just because we're in the South doesn't mean we don't care, don't know about hockey. I don't think uh, the city gets enough credit as it should. And I think we proved that that gave, you know, we had 80,000 people raging at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. One thing that was pretty interesting about that event from the the club sports side of things, the Dallas Stars actually restricted us as to what we were allowed to to talk about on the event. They had a, a U show match 
right before us that had a, a crowd of, I think like four to 500 people. And we had a one hour exhibition with runtime periods and stuff like that. And we pulled a crowd of around 6,000 people for an AM versus Texas rivalry game. It was incredible for sure. So definitely a cool experience. I mean, it makes sense too. Like if, if you've got Texas versus an A&M, like of course that's going to get more fans than whatever two you show teams played that night. Exactly. It wasn't even teams from like the area. I think it, it was the, uh, the gamblers and the steel, I think was the two teams, but you know, I, I went and I watched the game cause they played in one of the Dallas star centers before. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, they pulled good crowds. I mean, especially with the younger kids in the area, you know, the high school kids and kids playing travel, but we're advertising, you know, that arguably the greatest rivalry in, in sports in Texas and Texas A&M and, you know, no longer play each other in football was one of the greatest rivalries in football every single year. And now it's coming back. I mean, it's, it's just, it was crazy. So going back to some talk about the rink, I, I know we, we touched on the atmosphere a bit. I know in terms of college hockey in Texas, you guys are probably one of the kind of better run programs, more notable programs between the Texas teams. You want to talk about kind of locker room situation and support you guys get from not only the school, but the community. Yeah. So definitely uh, me and circus are actually both officers on the program and we kind of help with all the uh, administrative stuff university wise. I mean, we do get a little bit of help from our university, but it's nothing to kind of take a second look at a lot of the stuff. And this just goes back to our officer team and putting in the work to to make the program better. I mean, sponsorships going out and finding those that's huge. I mean, that's the whole reason that we were able to get, you know, Adidas uniforms, trying to align ourselves with the university and the, the athletic department, try and get that Adidas logo up there. All the other teams are wearing. And so sponsorships and our, our officers and just the guys on the team, honestly, being dedicated and wanting the team to be better is a huge part of that. And so locker room wise, I mean, you know, Spirit Ice Arena, definitely a, a nice facility in terms of, you know, ice is really good. You know, I have no complaints there, but it's not the nicest thing in the world. But, you know, we make it work and try to make it as nice as we can for the boys. So just doing what we can. I will say, like, the Adidas jerseys are a, a game changer, especially if you're at A&M, an Adidas school. I think, like, that's kind of the standard for hockey jerseys right now, that Adidas template that the NHL is using. I love when teams unveil new jerseys and they use that template. It's like, oh, they're legit. Like they took the time and energy to to go through the proper channels to get them and look good on the ice. Yeah, it was definitely a huge, huge investment. We were thankful that we had one sponsor who was generous enough to to help us with it. And so that whole thing, that was a whole conversation with, with everybody. We were like, you know, what do we want these new unis to look like? What, what are we going to do? We got new shells, everything. And so it, it was probably one of the more fun parts of, of helping figure out stuff for the team. But, but that definitely was something that we wanted to strive for right away is trying to align ourselves to that level. Look good, feel good, play good, right? That's exactly what we preach on this podcast. Teams don't understand. Uh, looking good is 90% of the battle in the ACHA. I mean, 90% of the reason we play ACHA hockey is for Instagram posts. So you got to make sure you look good in those. So I don't really know much about Texas. All I know is that it's a really big fucking state. How long is your average road trip? Are a lot of the teams close to you or do you, would you have to travel pretty far for away games? We're pretty unlucky in the fact that we're kind of right in the middle of Texas. I mean, I say unlucky, lucky and unlucky at the same time. I mean, we're not having to drive too far for anybody, but it is, I mean, our closest opponents 
uh, probably Texas, and they're about two hours away. From there, we've got all the teams in Dallas, which is a solid three-hour drive. Shreveport's four. Luckily, I mean, that's one of the big things with Baylor right now is that they are so close to us that we're like, uh, I'm hoping that they get a rink because that's another team that's super close to us that honestly could be a rivalry team if it comes down to it and would just be a nice place to uh, go and have a rink that's not super far away that we can come back from after a game instead of having to stay at a hotel. So We used to have uh, UTEP in our conference too, UTL Paso, and that's like a fucking 14-hour bus ride. So if you haven't been to Texas, that's how fat this state is. Fortunately, we don't have to drive out there anymore. Yeah, and I think you guys kind of touched on it that you'd listen to our episode with the Baylor guys. And I think talking to so many guys from college hockey players from Texas as of lately, I think that's like something that a lot of people don't realize. Like you can drive across the state of New York and it'll take you, I don't know, New York City to to Niagara, Herm, correct me if I'm wrong. That's probably like what, eight hours? And New York's a pretty big state, but nothing like Texas, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean the U- the UTEP trip was definitely one that like, it, it was a little rough. What we would do, so we take an away trip every single year, our first week in January. And so what we would have to do before is we would have to drive out to El Paso and then we would fly from El Paso to go play an out-of-state team. Two years ago, we went to Kentucky, played Kentucky and, and Louisville. And so now this year, instead of having to go three different flights, we're going uh, just straight on our January trip up to Ohio to play Cincy, Ohio University, and uh, in Miami. It saves us money, but also at the same time, it's just cool to kind of mix things up with different teams. So, Kind of touching on the Baylor interview, I'll give you guys the chance now, after you guys listen to it, is there anything that you guys would add on to, to what they had to say about college hockey in Texas? Just being in the league for, for as long as Texas A&M has been, you know, there's a lot of programs that you look at that are university-funded. That's a huge battle here in Texas. When you're looking at a school the size of Texas A&M or the size of even Texas Tech, Texas, TCU, all these schools, it is really hard for us to get anything from the university. All of our teams are just in a constant battle of trying to get that. We're doing good so far. The the league is definitely growing and it's really exciting. We've got a good commissioner in front of the league, good basis of of growing the Texas Collegiate Hockey Conference. Right now, we're we're trying to make those strides, but it's difficult for sure. So I think Baylor did a really good job of kind of talking about it their first time. You mentioned that some of those teams are funded by the schools. Two of them that come to mind, for me at least, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's got to be Dallas Baptist and then ETBU, correct? Yes, I, I believe those are the only two schools in Texas that are, are student fund or are school funded uh, and school recognized. The rest are, are completely student run. Competition wise, you guys are, are right up with them still? I would say so. That's our, our biggest thing. So DBU uh, two years ago made the decision to drop down to division three to be closer to regional kind of opponents be closer to some of those schools in the Southeast. But ETBU, I mean, we had a little bit of a rough showing against them this past weekend, but obviously, you know, two years ago, me and Cirque both were on the team, won the whole league in Texas. And so I, I definitely think we're up there. It's just a matter of the boys got to execute. You know, that's how it always comes down to it. So come back to that question maybe after this weekend. We'll see. I don't know if you guys still play, but I'll tell you what, I've never taken a whole year off of playing games and then hopped right back into it. Like that, that's by far the most difficult thing. ETBU, they played pretty much a full season last year. We weren't allowed to practice first semester and then we're practicing in like 10 man cohorts all second semester. So they might have our number right now, but I bet you by the end of the season, once we kind of get back in the flow of things and get used to playing games and practicing as a team, I, I guarantee you we'll, we'll beat them at the end of the year at playoffs when it matters. Yeah, Sirk, that's funny you bring that up because that's something we've talked about in the last couple of podcasts. We've noticed in the ACHA here early on, there's been a lot of blowouts and it seems to be those 
teams that did get to play last year have kind of the upper hand on the teams just kind of hopping into the fire. And I, like you said, I think that's something that'll get sorted out certainly second semester of the season. Uh, and once it comes down to nationals, but I, I keep calling it the lockout year. Yeah. You, you got to get your feet wet and I'm sure you boys will get back on track. Honestly, I, I think the biggest thing is, is like, you know, and I mentioned this a little earlier, having all the guys that haven't played in the maroon and white before. And, you know, I've been out of, you know, triple A or double A or U 18s or wherever they came from for a year. It, it's one of those things where last year when we were having our practices, we were just practicing to practice. There was nothing to look for, like no, nothing to motivate the guys like, oh, we're playing this game this weekend. Oh, we're, you know, trying to make regionals. We're trying to make nationals, all this stuff. It kind of slowed the tempo down on some stuff. And so that's a huge thing that we we got to get back up into. So if you walk into a temple locker room, five minutes for the game, you'll hear a lot of rap music down south before games. You guys listen to country music to get the boys going. I'm going to go ahead and let circus answer this one. I'm, I'm a big uh, headphones in the locker room kind of guy, but I'm also pretty biased towards country music. I'm a big country music guy myself. I can't stand country music before games. That's crazy to me. Before a game, no chance. Like maybe out at Northgate at the bars, not before a game. It's strictly rap music. We're just like any other hockey team. You know how it is. One of the ways we saw the quality of the jerseys was through the photos of Rebecca Bing. What's it like having a high quality photographer like that at your games and giving you guys cool content to post about? I mean, huge shout out to her. She is phenomenal. She's someone who worked for the Allen Americans in the ECHL. I met her through just a little photography meetup where I went and tried to shoot a game for them. And she taught me a lot. And then I just shot her a text. I was like, hey, we're playing, you know, this weekend. Would you be willing to come out if you're free? And so she came out and I mean, she does an incredible job with the photos. I, I don't even know how she does it. Like it's it's pretty incredible. Those photos, I mean, the boys love it. Like we said before, you know, play ACHA for the gram. You know, the boys are loving the pictures all the new profile pictures every weekend but the biggest thing is she is located in dallas so we do not get her for home games so we get her for our first weekend in dallas and then for playoffs so when it matters i mean that's perfect you get her at the beginning of the year use those photos to promote you and then at the end of the year you got great stuff to post about too exactly that's all it is jacob you've you kind of hinted at it a couple times now we'll dive right into it you work for the athletic department Talk about what that's like working for 12th Man Productions. I mean, as a job, just like outside of, you know, comparing it to the hockey team, it, it's a super cool experience. Definitely one that I'm going to hold on to for a very long time. Getting to see, you know, the content that these, you know, SEC football teams are putting out, SEC soccer, all these things. And getting to work with those people and really get to experience, you know, the type of stuff that they're putting out. I mean, it's incredible. Everybody who who watched the Alabama game or saw, you know, the end of the game, you know, you see the highlights and the media team that I work with is incredible. I'm just a broadcast guy. I just work the game cam, but the the people we work around are incredible. We've actually got something special coming out here in the next few days, collabing with some of my coworkers to actually do some stuff for the hockey team. So uh, if you want to keep an eye on that, that should be coming out prior to our first home game. Uh, actually, most of the team doesn't know about it. I don't even think Circus knows about it. So should be uh should be fun we love that for the boys i know like i do content here for syracuse we don't have like a media department kind of specifically like you guys do at at, at a&m but the thing that stood out to me from the you know everyone storming the field was the clip they had of the the kickers family that was i've never seen anything like that before i know a lot it was going around social media but it has nothing to do with the acha but that was just a great video that they were able to capture yeah that was my friend cam she was taking that shot i mean she's incredible 
and that was something I didn't even think about that. I saw that and I was like, I didn't even think to look at, you know, the the kicker's family when they were taking that final kick. I mean, he's been at AM for four years. I pretty much knew he was gonna make it, you know. Look back to the uh the Florida game last year, same exact weekend. It was Jimbo's birthday and kicked the uh the game winning field goal to win the game, the same exact score against Florida on the same exact day. So that shot was incredible. And I mean, just shows, you know, the passion of the fans and, and Seth Small's wife and family. So that was definitely a cool shot. We'll do two questions for each of you. First, I want to know what's a favorite memory you've had so far at AM, And then second part of the question, what are you most looking forward to this upcoming season? We'll start with you, Norwood. I'll kind of tie it into a two-game stretch in two days was uh, the TCHC playoffs. It was my sophomore year, technically came back we were down to texas in playoffs in the first round uh we had one minute left in the game and pulled the goalie scored the game tying goal with uh 56 seconds left and then scored the game winner with three seconds left in the game off a shot from the point i mean that was it doesn't get better than that as a hockey player that's kind of the bread and butter that's why you play the game those are the moments that you really you play for and and right after that we go into utbu i mean that's Kind of the big it was the big matchup of the playoffs we went to play them went into overtime and it was a 3-2 overtime win i mean that was just the two most intense games of my hockey career in one weekend i mean that was just incredible so i uh, definitely say that was my favorite memory here at texas a&m definitely looking forward to uh playing some acha division one games we've got alabama and ou on the schedule which Definitely two heavyweights in that division. So, you know, we're going to go in. Could see a second Texas A&M versus Alabama upset this year. That's all I'm saying. It's funny you bring that up too, because we talked about a couple episodes ago. I kind of mentioned that I wouldn't be surprised if Arkansas went and gave OU a good game. And Arkansas, D3 runner-up last year, they went in and it was actually, it was right after Arkansas had beaten Texas in football. And it was kind of like a welcome to the SEC. And then sure enough, Arkansas hockey travels up to Oklahoma and, and they upset them on opening night so I, I agree with you i'm hoping you guys can maybe get a win against bama yeah that that's huge i mean that's something you know it'd be awesome if we could we could get them here at home they're a huge huge name here in college station obviously uh you know having ou texas even arkansas we reached out to them and the two teams we just couldn't really coordinate it to to work it out but uh, that's definitely something that we've been trying to do. And so I, I think the boys are excited and I think we're prepping for a good game. You know, we're going to give it, give it all. So excited to see it. Circus for you, like what, what's a, a memory that stands out to you in your time with A&M? Norwood stole my favorite memory. Uh, it's definitely the first home game uh, I played against ETBU. My grandfather was in town. It was just an incredible game. There's such, such a tight battle all weekend. Uh, just the whole season was really tight with them. Uh, I mean, just to beat them twice at home and, front of the crowd was just amazing especially like never having played in front of any kind of fans like that felt really good also i'd probably throw in my first game against texas as well i mean that's kind of what we play for right live for the rivalry games so that was an incredible experience i was looking forward to finally playing games doesn't matter against who this weekend against etbu is huge we were talking about them all last year um, trying to get them on the schedule so we've had this game these games scheduled or circled on our calendar for over a year um, obviously the texas games i'm really looking forward to play these division one teams too just to see how we stack up uh, against them and also the ohio trips those are some of the top teams in division two i mean th- those would be good measuring stick games for our program to see where we're at i'm really looking forward to it this season's going to be a lot of fun who knows maybe we'll just have to to schedule some games against 
against Syracuse, kind of see how we stack up there too. Hey, would love that. I mean, we're already talking to the coach about where we're going to go. I'll be a senior next year, so I'm looking for a nice road trip somewhere out west. We might have to stop by College Station. Welcome to come down. It's nice and warm down here. We really appreciate you guys coming on. Shout out to Circus though tonight. I mean, Scott Foster performance as the emergency backup coming in late. Heck of a performance tonight. I appreciate y'all having me on. Had to get you help me out. Let Grinelli know I'm ready to go. We'll be sure to do so. And Norwood, thank you so much for, for setting this up. We loved having you guys on. Absolutely, boys. It was an absolute pleasure. You know, look forward to, to seeing the uh, posts on the gram and see how uh, Hockey House Pod grows in the next year. Once again, thank you to Norwood and Circus for joining us this week. Great to get some insight on hockey at Texas A&M. That interview was presented by Selly Hockey Co. Be sure to stock up on Selly Hockey gear for the fall. Crewnecks are perfect this time of the year. I know the weather is getting a little bit chilly here in Syracuse, so be sure to check out all the new styles from Selly Hockey, including Canada Hockey, Russia Hockey, Minnehaha Waves, and the Bishop Sycamore Crewnecks. Selly Hockey Crewnecks are a classic fit with no center crease, guaranteeing a comfortable fit every time. I know I mentioned earlier how we're doing a Syracuse Hockey hat order through Sally Hockey. Uh, I just want to circle back and let guys know that uh, you can also do any product from their website as a team order. You can do crewnecks, t-shirts, hats. They are all available for team orders. You can take an existing design and you can make it fit for your team. So if you like the Trinidad and Tobago hats, uh, but you play at Temple like Glick and you want to do a Temple hat order, you can do that. You want to do a Colorado State crewneck order, you can do that. Minot State t-shirt order, uh, you can do whatever you want and you can take an existing retro design that they have they'll make it look great for you they know hockey players they are a no-brainer to go to for business like this so be sure to check them out at their website underneath the tab team order i had a great personal experience doing it myself so that's why i'm recommending it for you guys Guys from Texas A&M were great. I know we, we mentioned it a bunch, but Circus was the first ever emergency backup that we've ever had on the podcast. And not that he's ever been in that position to fill in really late and hop on the pod. I thought he did a great job. And, and, and Norwood was great, too, giving us insights on, on what it's like playing hockey at Texas A&M. You know, with five minutes, Norris be able to hop on and do as well as he did. I mean, he talked about, you know, I guess he's getting the call up to spin chicklets next week. So keep an eye out for him to be interviewed by them. Circus had like the profile picture of him wearing the beanie over his helmet so I, that's how i knew he played an outdoor game dead giveaway but that cotton bowl winter classic was one of my favorites to watch the green versus the yellow in the crowd you know the scenery of the cotton bowl it, it was really cool that they got to play there against ut a couple things that we forgot to mention from the rundown earlier lawrence tech defeated michigan dearborn on the road in overtime this weekend they played the night before at lawrence tech and dearborn won by a goal i think lawrence tech is kind of a team that's flown underneath the radar no disrespect to those guys but i just think lawrence tech is a school that not many people have heard of people should be hearing about them at this point now because they just knocked off dearborn on the road that's not an easy place to play and they are fired up so huge shout out to the boys from lawrence tech i've been talking about having those guys on i know speaking with my connections at niagara niagara played them earlier in the year did not know a lot about them but came away and was like wow that is a great hockey team so lawrence tech know the name another thing that we forgot to cover it, it's ironic now looking back on it but i i told the story last week about how my dad used to always say well hey look out look for the blowout of the day like maybe you guys didn't get killed as badly as another team did sure enough the week after we talk about that on the pod williston state just absolutely destroys minnesota state university moorhead 27 to nothing it was the home opener for minnesota state university moorhead i mentioned it a couple times the word thrash this was an absolute massacre on 
on ice. Uh, one, I don't know how you lose 27 to nothing. And, and two, I don't know how you beat a team 27 to nothing. I think at some point uh, enough is enough and, and you call off the dogs. But Glick, as a goalie, what are your first thoughts seeing that score? Yeah, I saw that score and I just... I just felt so bad for the goalie or goalies that had to play. I mean, I let up four goals and I, you know, and I hate myself for the next 24 hours. So I can't imagine how that goal, how those goalies are feeling. I mean, I also just don't know how a team could score that many goals and not feel bad. You know, like, yeah, it probably feels good to score, but I feel like after a while, like, you know, maybe cool it off. But I guess a lot of uh, first goal pucks were given out that night. So maybe that's why, because it was a season opener. Yeah, I hope the the Moorhead staff had plenty of pucks on hand. I, I can't imagine they had an unlimited supply based on the scoreboard. But I mean, like I've played in men's league games where like we're a group of college kids who sign up for a tournament and they're a group of like 50 year old guys who sign up for the tournament and like you right away know that you're gonna win the game so you score like five early goals and then you just like chill out for the rest of the game why beat a team 27 and nothing i don't think there's a single person looking at the score and be like heck yeah 27 goals like i don't know that it just seems a bit ridiculous to me what are your thoughts fits all i can think about is you know we play acha hockey because we we love the game we want to continue to play these kids must really love the game to to go out there and just get shelled and they're going to show up next week and keep playing. So kind of give them props. And I, I hope they do well the rest of the year. But like my first thought process when I see that is like, do you cancel the season after that? Like if you lose your first game 27 to nothing, do you just decide like, hey, we don't have the guys. We don't have the talent. Let's just call it. Let's let's practice for a year like I I, I don't I don't know. I hope like I said, Fitz, I hope they're as optimistic as you are and, and then they bounce back and keep on playing. And I guess for the sake of Wilson State, I hope somebody beats them badly. There's no two things I'm wondering. Number one, I, I don't know how it is your guys at school, but the secretary always has to set in a post game report for games. And I just want to know what the secretary had to put in for that game. And number two, I want to know what the coach said in between the first, second, and third period. And finally, at the end of the game, like as a coach, what do you say in a situation like that? Eight nothing after the first period. So whatever the coach said after the first period had to have been pretty similar. What he said at the end of the second and the end of the third, because after eight nothing, like what more does I, I don't know, unless they're taking bad penalties and maybe the Wilson State power play was like 24 for 25 on the night. Like, I don't know. Those, those that's ridiculous that that. That's even a possibility that the power play could have gone 24 for 25. Man, that that is a a tough one. That was certainly not the game of the week. And my number one for this week, we have a college hockey mid-America rematch of the 2020 conference championship game. It's IUP versus Pitt. I know Pitt was a ranked team in the spring of 2020, had eyes on making a run in the national tournament, and IUP upset them in the conference championship game. The winner of their conference championship game received the auto bid, and so Pitt did not make the tournament. So I think there's a lot of vengeance for Pitt coming into this. They haven't played since this game. I know, Glick, you played IUP. That's a pretty good team. We'll see. I mean, Pitt's the home team, so that'll certainly be a game to watch on my radar. Yeah, and same here to Temple. I mean, IUP was a really hard-hitting team, and we have Pitt on the schedule later on, so it should be interesting to see how that game goes. In other notable games this week, Missouri State is hosting Central Oklahoma in uh, their Pink the Rink game. They have officially dyed the ice pink. 
They posted some pictures on social media today. That is going to be awesome to play in. I know they're wearing pink breast cancer jerseys too. We had Central Oklahoma as our game of the week last week when they hosted UNLV. So they're coming off the sweep. Should be an awesome series this weekend, especially on the pink ice. Another notable promotional game, BYU is heading to Utah State for Utah State's teddy bear toss on Saturday night. That was a popular submission this week for Game of the Week. I played in a couple teddy bear tosses when I was in high school. Unfortunately, uh, we couldn't do it after the first goal of the game, but I would imagine that place at at Utah State is going to be packed and and there's going to be the ice is going to be littered in teddy bears after hopefully that first goal of the game. I always wondered with the teddy bear toss, what if you don't score? So it, it very rarely it happens, but you just throw them on the ice after the game. It's got to be a bummer to be a fan and, and sit through the whole game holding a teddy bear. That's <laughs> so anticlimactic. <laughs> That's got to be even worse to be the the home team to get shut out. You're upset about that. And as you're leaving the ice, you just see a bunch of teddy bears being you know, thrown onto the ice that were meant to be for your first goal. But yeah, when, when I did it in high school, we were 4-0 in teddy bear toss games. Uh, we did the toss every year after the conclusion of the game. So at least we won in fans through teddy bears on the ice. I mean, that video is going to be sick if, if Utah State scores, especially early when the fans are into it and they can chuck those teddy bears early. So another game on the on the schedule with Kentucky, a uh, solid D2 team traveling to another well-known solid D2 team in the South, NC State. Those will happen at the Wake Competition Center, so be on the lookout for, for those games. This week's question of the week, uh, it was one that kind of got brought up on the bus ride to NYU from the guys at Syracuse. I'm, I'm curious what you guys have to say or or think glick knows probably the most in this department but in terms of being a scratch what are some of the best rinks to be a scratch at you got to consider the vantage point you have at the game things like cell phone service and wi-fi come into play how comfortable your seat is snack bar glick what are some things that you're looking for uh as a scratch for amenities I hate the fact that I'm the resident expert on being a scratch in the ACHA, but honestly, for me, it's all about just good food and it can't be too cold. I don't want to be sitting there freezing my ass off. Those are my two big things. And from personal experience, what what is what is your favorite? Not your I don't want to say your favorite place to be scratched, but a place that it's not too bad being a scratch. If there's any place I would want to be scratched in ACHA, it would be on the road against Westchester. I mean, first of all, great burger. I mean, ACHA burgers gave them an 8.5 out of 10. So you, you always know you're going to have a good meal, you know, during the first or second period. And the other good thing with that burger is get a nice little view of the ring. It's a bar that sits above the ice sheet where Westchester plays. Those are the only two things that I really care about. It's got to have good food and it can't be too cold. If you're in a bar, it can't get too cold. So I would have to say if there's any place I would want to be a scratch, definitely Westchester. That was one of the number one picks from the guys at Syracuse. Another rink that got brought up was Adrian. I mean, they've got the bar right behind the bench. Great view. I've never been been there before fits i know you've been at that rink do you think that's a good place as long as you don't wear any of your team gear like up there you get along with the adrian fans then you'll be all right another one uh that got brought up was oswego state they play at their d3 teams rink very cozy any any place where you can kind of sit up in the press box maybe be a little more official than the average fan in attendance i think is is another key factor some rinks that got brought up as a really tough place to be a scratch stony brook was number one for a lot of guys that rink has no cell phones service 
bad lighting and you got to sit up in the bleachers. So, you know, things like that, you got to take into consideration. But if you're listening to this, we want to know what is the best place to be a scratch in the ACHA and what is one of the worst places to be in a scratch. We're curious what your thoughts are on this. Closing the show on a more somber note, I know we addressed it when he first passed away, but the news broke earlier this week about Jimmy Hayes and the cause of his death. They found um, fentanyl and cocaine in his system um, at the time of his death. And I just know, you know, as, as college kids, I think a lot of times guys are experiencing different things and trying out new things and just just be cautious of what you're doing. You never know. I mean, a guy like Jimmy Hayes, you hate to see things like that happen and, and it can happen to truly anybody. So just remember to be safe when you're going out and, and having a good time and making sure that your, your buddies are OK and you, you just you never know what somebody's going through. And I guess that's the overall message from us here at the Hockey House. You know, check in on your loved ones. Always make sure they're, they're doing OK. And, and if they're not, be sure to speak up. Check in on your buddies, your teammates, your friends at college and, and make sure everyone's staying OK. And we wish everybody once again a safe and healthy weekend of, of college hockey action. Stay safe, boys.